This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Commercial with a state podcast. And welcome back to the Edmonton Commercial Real Estate Podcast. It's the Edmonton Commercial Real Estate Podcast today, Corey, because we have Bronwyn Scrivens. She is a commercial real estate broker, associate broker at Omada Commercial in Edmonton. She specializes in industrial real estate. This is an exciting episode today, a bit of a departure from our BC-centric content that we usually produce. Well, industrial is a magic word in our industry. has been that way for a couple of years. And, right. And... Obviously, we we have land constraints over here in a lot of markets, and it's not uncommon that you're now having tenants, developers, large-scale asset owners now are looking into both Edmonton and Calgary now. Right. A, price, B, lease rates, all of that stuff. So we wanted to have Bronwyn on the show to say, hey, tell us about your marketplace. How does that compare to over here? And I think a lot of people will be stunned when you hear some of the prices that you can acquire acreage for in Edmonton versus say Burnaby over here at seven to nine million bucks. I was watching, like your pen was smoking on the piece of paper, basically, as you were jotting down the various cap rates and price per square foot and et cetera, et cetera. But if I know Corey right, he's going to crunch some more numbers after the show. Uh, well, actually that was my list for Costco on Saturday, but but <laughs> but yeah, hundred percent. Now where we were sitting there and I think when you hear the cost for land, the right. lease rates they can achieve, what things are selling on a price per foot, what the vacancy rate is and where it's come from. You can understand really quickly why developers and investors would look into the Alberta market when you look at the numbers that are so scarce over here in BC, how those numbers could pencil out and be really interesting in a market like Alberta. And like you had said prior to us even recording, Calgary is a market that has a lot of things going for it as of late. Right. And recently the home prices have gone up, what, two consecutive months now, which I mean, we're poking fun at them versus BC, but that's a lot because Alberta tumbled quite hard years ago. And now it seems that they're coming back. So it's really it's a busy hear. housing market. Yeah. yeah. And and it sounds like they're very busy in commercial right now. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a lot of hype or a lot of momentum generally behind Alberta at the moment. And it makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting to get Bronwyn's take on the future of the province and why she's excited about it. Yeah, no, it's great. No, she unpacks it all. She's a specialist there. She knows her marketplace. Great episode. Really an eye-opener if you follow the industrial market here in BC versus what Alberta and especially Edmonton has gone through and where they're currently at right now. And I like this because if you are a commercial real estate investor, you're trying to become a commercial real estate investor, the price points, like this seems much more entry level for people that are looking at BC and going, well, I don't have 10 million bucks or whatever, right? So there's definitely some investment opportunities for more entry-level investors yep. like mom-and-pop investors that are looking to get into commercial real estate. So it's very exciting to have Bronwyn on the show. And maybe we should cut to our episode. Let's not waste any time. This podcast is presented by Impact Commercial. 
Impact Commercial. John, Alan, the team over there are fantastic. They've been, all been on the show. They have, yeah. Friends of the show. Great guys. Wealth of experience. They can help with all your commercial financing needs. Whether it's owner-occupiers, land development funds, commercial investments, or multifamily, these guys got you covered. And they recently obtained their CMHC correspondent lender status. So for all your commercial lending needs, visit them at impactcommercial.ca. That's impactcommercial.ca. Okay, so we're here with Bronwyn Strivens. She is an associate broker specializing in industrial at Omada Commercial in Edmonton. Welcome to the show, Bronwyn. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking the time today. Can you maybe start by telling our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Of course. Yeah. My name is Bronwyn, as you mentioned. Cold calling is always a treat when my name is Bronwyn Scribbins. <laughs> I just spell it out all the time. <laughs> but I specialize in industrial sales and leasing in the Edmonton or the greater Edmonton region. Dabble a bit down in Calgary, but pretty much focus in the Edmonton region. Although we have a lot of hefty markets up north as well, like Grand Prairie and Fort Mac with our energy industry. So we kind of encompass the full province. I started my career at Cushman and Wakefield in Edmonton as well. I did about five years there as an industrial agent and then uh, transferred over to Omada where we're a locally owned firm and just the goal of kind of growing an industrial team at that shop and having a bit more autonomy and not as much, I guess, people under one roof as it was at Cushman. So it's been a really unique opportunity to be part of a big brokerage house and then as you know, part of a, a local smaller entity that I am now. And then prior to, I guess, what I do now, I I, uh, I was fortunate to attend Cornell University and, and was able to get a commercial real estate specialization there. And so that's kind of what started my interest in, in the field. And uh, I just realized that I love working with people. And that's kind of what got me into brokerage. I think this is our first guest who went to uh, Cornell. Well, good. I know there's not many of us out here in Western Canada. I can tell you that most people that go to Cornell don't know where Edmonton is. Corey, didn't you, alone... go to, you went to Cornell Community College in Surrey, didn't you? No, not, uh, not even. Surrey, didn't you? No, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, 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 to Port Coquitlam Local Community College. She shared a school at the high school. It was called Continuing Education is what they call right, it. Right, right. <laughs> also known as you still haven't finished high school yet. You're too old to be here. Right, right. It was the, the anacronym was Cornell. But yeah. it's, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, Bronwyn, thank you so much for joining us today. One reason why we wanted to have you on the show is the magic word in our industry right now, obviously, is industrial. And yeah. the industrial landscape in BC has just exploded over the past five years. COVID has made it even that much harder to find industrial land and industrial space. That you I mean we hear a lot of tenants now, and also a lot of people who are looking to develop are pivoting out of BC purely based on lease rates and rent and land acquisition costs, and now are looking into the Alberta market. What's happening where you are? Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent. We're seeing those groups coming from Vancouver. We're welcoming them with open arms, uh, which I'm sure you guys don't want to hear. But uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a really crazy few years in the industrial sector. Only I would say amplified by COVID, it was kind of already heading this direction. The trajectory was already up across the country, but COVID kind of exacerbated 
so many of the trends that we're all seeing as far as e-commerce, online shopping, people wanting things to their doors the next day as opposed to wanting to wait for things way down the road. Vancouver, yeah, I would say that there are still groups that are looking to be in the Vancouver market. Obviously, there's a very large population base there that still needs goods and, and demands goods. But I think it's more an availability thing where there's just, there's not, basically you guys are line constrained. And yeah. I'm sure that topic comes up all the time with you, but when there's not availability, they have to find alternatives. It's not like they'll just be like, oh, okay, great. Too bad. We'll, we'll just deal with it. It's like, no, there's still demand out there and there's a heightened demand in everything. So Calgary and Edmonton have kind of reaped the benefits of that. I shouldn't say kind of, we've absolutely reaped the benefits of that, especially because we... I don't know if you guys know this, but we're in a pretty long drought for the last five years or so with the change in uh, appetite for oil and gas production across the country. We've heard. Um, yeah, I don't know if you heard about that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Alberta has been like it was it was it was still active, but you know it was quiet for the last kind of five years or so, which meant that a lot of development happened in like 2012, 2013, 2014 from institutional developers for industrial space. 2014 and 15, like literally the end of 2014 heading into 2015, that was basically when government switched over and oil and gas was no longer cool, wasn't a cool kid anymore. And essentially, we had a bunch of warehouse space that sat for years, honestly, like just vacant, big box spaces that sat for years. But it didn't matter, like it didn't need to be filled or it wasn't going to be filled because there was still space in other markets and there wasn't the demand that there is now. So, you know, fast forward the last couple of years, I would say, and Toronto is capped out, Vancouver's capped out, Montreal and Ottawa, like all these places that have typically had most of the distribution users they need locations and they're not just looking at Alberta. They're looking at Manitoba. They're looking at Saskatchewan. Alberta is up there. And because we are so much closer to Vancouver, we're getting a lot of that outflow from Vancouver in particular, but a lot of these distribution groups just need space. And uh, yeah, so, so certainly we have seen heightened demand, uh, which is now creating an issue where we like everyone are being faced with the same backlogs in construction, the timeline delays, and we're starting to get to a point where our vacancy is creeping downwards. Our lease rates are starting to creep upwards and we're all kind of in the same boat here. Has it been like, would you say it's been driven largely by, by COVID or was it pre pandemic that, that you started to see an uptick? I would say we were starting to see an uptick slowly before COVID. Like I would say 2019 was a pretty good year for us. Nothing like it is right now, but it was still very much a good year. And then 2020 hit. And of course, I think probably everyone kind of had that first few months of just like halting of everything while companies were trying to figure out like what the heck is going on. But as soon as distribution users realize that there's, oh, actually there's more demand than less demand. And industrial space, it's really interesting because, you know, a lot of different tenants and and user groups, like if you're an office user, a retail user, they were mandated to shut down. They were mandated that you can't be in the office or you can't have a gym open or you can't have restaurants open or whatever. Industrial, a lot of industrial users were were required, weren't required, but they were deemed an essential service for a lot of what they were doing because they were creating goods, they were distributing goods, they were warehousing. And not only that, in a warehouse, rarely are you, you know, what was the distance? Six feet? Rarely are you within six feet of your neighbor. <laughs> like there's so much space, right? 
So a lot of the warehousing stayed open, which meant that that could keep kind of putzing along through COVID while a lot of the other asset classes kind of had to relook at their leases and, and determine their clauses for course measure and all that fun stuff. So long story short, it was creeping up because I think the trend was happening prior to COVID with, you know, our transition into online shopping and e-commerce and distribution and all that. But certainly COVID amplified that, that trajectory. Now, is there a particular industry that you guys are seeing that sort of either has emerged or has continued to emerging that's taking up a lot of the square footage? Like as an example, downtown Vancouver, the biggest driver of the office market for the past few years, and again, just got amplified during COVID was the tech industry. Are you seeing any industry or maybe large big box tenant that's coming in that's taking up a lot of the square footage and kind of leading the charge? I mean, I think we've all been a recipient of the Amazon effect. Yeah. Um, Edmonton, Edmonton in particular, has four in the last, let me think, three years now. So prior to COVID was when the first one came, I think 2019. But in the past three years, we've got four new Amazon warehouses to the tune of 3.3 million square feet or so. So that's just one user group. And with Amazon comes all of the other, I guess, subsidiary or secondary businesses that want to be located near Amazon or that distribute similar to Amazon. It's like, oh, if they're doing it, then, then we can do it kind of thing. So I would say that Edmonton typically, we, we, had, we had the distribution market before, but I would say it was more so like oil and gas distribution products, like yeah. products for our energy industries, not so much like retail goods. Like we're seeing a lot more retail distribution tenants coming to our market. Like, you know, we leased out a, a warehouse to Structube, we leased out a warehouse to HelloFresh, which is like a meal delivery company, yeah. leased out a warehouse to a couple warehouses, OK Tire, like a bunch of these kind of consumer goods type tenants that I would say we wouldn't normally have been as competitive on as other cities across Canada, but because of the availability that we had. And I would say with those tenants and with many of the tenants that are in the market right now, like they need space yesterday. They don't need it in 12 months from now. And with the timelines for construction, which are actually getting even closer to like a year and a half to two years, wow. that doesn't even work for them. Right. So they have so much demand and they have, they have to, they're starting to like hoard goods. They want to have goods so that when people require it, they can actually deliver it. So that's been a big driver, I would say for our market in particular, but also the, the real silver lining is that the energy markets have been improving over the last 12 months. And so we are also seeing an uptick in our manufacturing base, which has always been kind of the, the bread and butter of our, uh, particularly of Edmonton, of our, of our region. There seems to be a lot of hype around Alberta right now, just in general, like a lot of positivity, which obviously we haven't seen in, in a number of years. Can you talk a little bit about your experience on the ground? Like what are people excited about in Edmonton and uh, and in Calgary right now? Yeah, I mean, Alberta's awesome. I think Alberta's the best. I mean, I as I mentioned, I went to university out of, out of country and I ended up deciding to come back to Alberta. I think the hype of, I mean, it's probably topical because, you know, you guys specialize in residential and commercial, but Alberta actually is an affordable place to live. And that is very, very valuable these days, right? Like, aside from the fact that we can actually build out distribution and industrial space or any type, of, any type of commercial space that really anyone wants because we aren't constrained by land. All we're constrained by are timelines to get land 
you know, master plan, subdivided, ready to go for development, which a lot of municipalities are actually being very proactive in kind of going ahead with a lot of the underground work and getting things started. But we, as a, I mean, I think a lot of companies now are not just looking at, I think they're looking at like a quality of life component too. Like, I don't know if you guys, I, I mean, I'm sure it's the same everywhere, but like labor is a really, really big issue right now where a lot of these companies cannot find labor. I mean, you see it all the way from the Starbucks or restaurants in your neighborhood, all the way to the, you know, the distribution warehouses or trucking companies. Like everybody has a labor problem right now. So a big problem for them is trying to find workers. And if workers can't afford to live, especially if you're looking at that kind of entry level worker, you know, a warehousing laborer or something like that, if they can't, they can't afford to live in Vancouver, that's, I would say most of them cannot. Whereas in Alberta, in Calgary and Edmonton, they can probably even afford to buy a house here. Right. Now, if we can play a, a game here for a quick second, this is more for my, for me than anyone. If I take an acre of industrial land, let's say in Burnaby, which is, you mean, half an hour, 20 minutes outside of Vancouver, depending yeah. on the zoning and the location, you could be looking six to nine million an acre. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. So I, so I show up at your door and I say, Bronwyn, I want one acre of land. I want to be about 20 minutes outside of Edmonton, an industrial hub. How much yeah. am I paying for that acre? So if you're looking in the hub areas where Amazon is, for example, in both Calgary and in Edmonton, you're probably buying that acre for anywhere from five fifty to six fifty per acre. Five hundred and fifty thousand to six hundred and fifty thousand per acre. So out here as a comparison, that's a parking stall. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Wow. So when you're looking at the total picture, like these massive companies, like they're not just looking at one thing, like population density. Obviously, they want to be by the ports, which are coming through Vancouver, and that's a big component. They want to be by the population. There's real reasons to be in Vancouver and that they need to be in the Vancouver area. But when they're looking at the costs for, I mean, I just think that there's so many components that are going into it. And the fact that, yeah, you're, what is that? One-tenth the price on land alone? Like, what lease rates do you need to get to make up for that differential? It's, it's, or do you have to pay to make up for that differential well, as a tenant. Well, why don't we ask that question? So I, so I, you can't see Adam here right now. Adam's checking his bank account so fast. When you said 550,000, he's still like, zero, still <laughs> zero. <laughs> well, okay. I went to get a coffee today. Mine said negative 1700 bucks. So, I, so I, I, you're better off than I am. Um, so if I buy the land for 550,000 and I build my, you mean, you mean I talk to you and I say, Hey, how big do I have to build this? What type of lease rates am I seeing for those let's say something as small as 2,500, 3,000 square feet. And then what am I seeing for the 10, 20, 50,000 square foot fulfillment centers on a basement yeah. type, 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 type? Are you talking kind of your newer buildings sure, or are sure. you looking, are you thinking older stuff? Well, let's go down both roads. <laughs> so let's start with the new stuff. Let's say you're going to take a full building, like a full 100,000 or 150,000 center that's getting okay. built right now. You're probably in the sub you're probably in the nine to nine fifty per square foot range net you might even be able to get into the high eats if the building is not brand new but was built prior to the construction chaos that we're seeing right now because yeah. their price points would obviously be less okay. if you're looking for like a two bay deal like twenty five thousand or so you're probably getting into the kind of nine fifty to ten fifty per square foot range net and then and that's including like a small office build out and, and you know kind of 
a normal warehousing type site, like maybe a five to 10% office build out. If you're looking for a small kind of this, I would say like your local business warehouse space. So, you know, 2,000 to 5,000 square feet, you're probably in the, I would say nine to $11 per square foot range. If it's got, if it's on like a main road, like kind of one of our arterial roads, maybe in the, you know, 12 to $13 per square foot range. So the unique thing in Edmonton is that we're not as low as Calgary's cheaper. Calgary has been cheaper on the warehousing side, just slightly. Why? But- <laughs> and, and no offense to Edmonton. I just, I, I'm a huge, I, I like both cities, but I, yeah. I, Calgary to me is a really, really stunning city and you get the Chinooks and yeah. <laughs> yeah but, but Edmonton's got Connor McDavid. Oh right, that's yeah. right. That's a yeah, dollar yeah. a foot right there. Hundred <laughs> percent. But I'm just, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm, I'm surprised to hear that. Why, why do you think that is? I think that everything, when you're looking at lease rates, comes down to the supply demand equation, right? And, and I would say that Calgary has always been like the more white collar headquarter type city. So it's the more that's where the head office for for the oil and gas companies, the energy companies, the tech companies. I think that's where they're tending to locate. Edmonton, on the other hand is like the hub for the blue collar side of industry. So we're the manufacturing shops, the service shops, the right. uh, trades, like transportation, like a lot of those guys are located more so in Edmonton than Calgary because historically they're going north. They're going up to Fort Mac, they're going to Grand Prairie, they're going to Lloydminster. And so for those types of users, like I think that's why our industrial market has been typically stronger is just because we have a lot more and, and specifically entrepreneurial businesses. So lots of small to medium sized businesses that are setting up shops and operating out of Edmonton and then heading up north to to do their their business in the energy sector. So that's why I think it's been historically a little bit more than Calgary. Calgary's always been a bit more distribution based because they are, you know, within that, I think, one day drive of Vancouver. So it's, it's they've tended to attract more of the distribution users if they were coming to the province. But now Edmonton is starting to see some of that as well. And that in big part is because, you know, we're pushing this Port Alberta mandate. And if you haven't heard of Port Alberta, it's worth looking at. But basically, it's connecting our air cargo capacities, our intermodal rail yards, our transportation, like our highway, high load quarters that go north and then also east and west. Also, interestingly enough, Edmonton, if it's within a one day flight for cargo planes, if they're coming from, I think anywhere from either Beijing or Shanghai north, they can do that in one flight. Whereas if you're going anywhere further south, they have to stop. Like they usually stop in Alaska. So Edmonton's a really unique hub for Asia in that capacity because if you're thinking about it from the, uh, you know, the way that the curvature of the the world is, it's actually shorter to fly into Edmonton than into Vancouver. Wow, if that makes sense. I didn't even know that. So, so just to (laughs) recap, so Adam, you would work in Calgary, right? I would work (laughs) in Edmonton, right? Right. So, so how much am I buying Strata warehouses for in these markets? Because I'll give you an example, and this is where. Just hearing these numbers, I can see why every developer is jumping over the Rockies. So I come to Burnaby and I buy a, an acre of land for, let's say, I, I get a deal on it. I'm paying $7 million, And then I go build the catastrophe that I'm going to build. <laughs> and I'm getting 20 bucks a foot in rent. Or I go to Edmonton and I buy the same acre for 500000 because Brown was going to get a deal for us. And then I'm getting 12 <laughs> bucks a foot on rent. Yeah. I can see quickly why developers so, are jumping on planes heading your way. 
it's certainly a compelling story. The cap rates are certainly not as compressed here as they are in other markets. You're seeing the same thing in the States as well, by the way. Like you're starting to see a lot of developers and tenants seek out, you know, alternatives to to LA, to New York, to New Jersey, to Chicago, because it's just getting so congested and they can't, like, I think in some of those major cities, like the industrial parks now are like an hour outside. Like that's how far they've been developed out. And there's the demand is still not stopping or dwindling, right? So a lot of groups are looking for these alternatives. And I've heard an interesting thing about there's a, a rail line connection that's going to be going. And I should probably look this up before I talk about it. But it's between CN and uh, Kansas Kansas Southern. Let me just look. Oh, don't no, worry. Nobody's going to fact check I say this. Every, everything yeah. the guest says, we fact check it meticulously. So make sure you're bang on. If you, if, 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 I'm going to fact check Corey. Here. Yeah, yeah. That's No, that's fat check. That's fat check. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that over here, if that's what you're wondering. It's like Kansas City and CN. And basically, it's meant to be a real a, a merger. And so CN goes obviously across Canada. And then Kansas City Southern goes from that like north-south down into Mexico. So they're trying to create these rail lines that are going to connect North America down into Mexico to try and onshore a lot of the production that's happening over in China. But basically it's creating, it's opening up all these new and activating all these new cities across North America that typically wouldn't have been considered, but just to get out of the bigger cities. Yeah. So one thing as, as the residential agent on the show here. When I talk to a lot of, I've considered Edmonton for residential revenue properties before. And my concern has always been like the rents, like the numbers really look great in Edmonton. But one thing that's always been kind of holding me back has been the vacancy rate is quite high compared to Vancouver where, you know, it's expensive here, but you pay for a really like a, a really low vacancy rate. Like what, what are the vacancy rates like in, uh, in commercial? So they're getting better. They were, so I'll, I'll say at the end of 2020, which was, you know, it was, it was slow. It was definitely much slower in 2020. It was not bad during the end, kind of. It picked up a bit, but it was pretty slow in 2020. And we were in the kind of mid-seven vacancy rates in Edmonton. Right now in Edmonton, we are sub 5%. So we've gone down a substantial amount in the last basically year and a half, 18 months. Calgary is even more so. Like I've heard they're even kind of sub 3% vacancy. So yes, Vancouver is sub 1%. It's, it's, you guys basically are, you basically are full. <laughs> There's no right. more room. We are getting low right now, but we are seeing, I think there's about 5 million square feet under construction in Edmonton. I think about, I don't know, 6 million under construction in Calgary. But of that, about 75% of it is already pre-leased. So wow. this isn't all just speculative. Some of it is design build, like for tenants that are, you know, creating a building and are prepared to wait the timelines for construction. But some of it's speculative and it's already pre-leased before the doors are wow. even, you know, unlocked. So the demand is certainly there. And I and I I think the vacancy rates are going to continue to creep down. You kind of want a bit of vacancy though. Like you want to be able to move people around. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I maybe I say that for, selfishly from a broker perspective. No, I think you're exactly <laughs> right. Because what, what, what we've experienced over here in Vancouver and Vancouver Island and BC Interior and stuff like that is the vacancy rates are so unhealthy for tenants. That, yeah. I mean, it's a great world as a developer and a landlord, but the vacancy rates are so unhealthy for tenants. A lot of them are probably doing deals that they don't even can't even afford 
nor do they know they can afford it just yet, but they have to sort of, you know, they got a gun to their head if an opportunity comes up. And I think yeah. we're seeing that all over the board and the office market saw that in Vancouver and I mean, COVID hit and everyone thought the world was going to end over here. And then, you know, the tech industry just gobbled up and backfilled everything that came available, it seemed like. Yeah. If we're talking about investment side of it, me and Adam show up in my mom's Winnebago and we've got a bucket <laughs> of cash. What type of cap rates can we expect if we're looking at industrial on an investment side? And then maybe a follow-up to that question is if we're buying something pre-construction, how much are we paying on a price per foot metric if I'm buying, a, say, a 3,000 square foot owner-occupied type industrial space? Yeah, so the cap rates are, I would say, very dependent on the type of asset that you're looking to buy. So like as an example, we just had a record sale for three uh, Class A distribution type products in the Edmonton market that were brand new buildings, fully tenanted. One was Tire, one was Amazon, and one was Schlumberger. And uh, they sold sub 4.25 cap. Basically, that's like up in the realm of institutional to institutional. So that's a whole different ballpark of of, uh, goals and mandates. But that was a really, you know, big sale for our market, um, showing that we are kind of in that realm, like just basically saying that distribution products, wherever it is, if it's occupied by the right tenant mix, it's going to achieve really good returns. If you're looking for like an owner user, like let me think here, like say two to $5 million, like kind of your entry level industrial developments or, or multi-tenant building, you're probably going to find something in the, if it's within the city of Edmonton, I would say in this, you know, six, six to six and a half cap rate. And if you're outside of the city in one of the periphery markets, maybe, or maybe it's more, um, the tenant mix isn't as good, you probably could get north of seven even. So it's just a, a dependent on, you know, if, is it class A tenants? Is it, you know, a newer like newer building or older building? Uh, is it, you know, I don't know, just a number of factors, right, that are going to determine the actual value that you're going to get. But we're kind of ranging, I would say your average deal is in the, in the sixes somewhere. Wow. And then on a price per foot metric, if I'm buying something pre-sale for an owner-occupier type thing, how much am I paying on a price per foot to acquire, let's say, a 3,000 square foot grade-level door industrial strata lot? Yeah. So so for condos, so we call them condos. I think it's basically the same thing as strata in in Vancouver. Essentially, here, if you're going to buy a brand new unit that's, you know, built well, looks pretty, you're probably going to be paying in the 200 to 225 per square foot. And that would be like the nicest units, maybe up to 235 per square foot. If you're looking at an older product, maybe lower ceilings, maybe not as nice of a building, you're sub 200, you're probably in the, I don't know, maybe even down into the 160s to 180 per square foot, depending on the quality and location of the assets. It's very dependent on functionality. Like we have a very, very big owner user market in Edmonton. So a lot of businesses that want to own their own real estate and they'll million dollar building, then they'll get their $4 million, then they'll get their $6 million. And they might have two or three buildings across the province or maybe just around the city of Edmonton, but they, it's, we have a strong base for that. And uh, I would say those guys, depending on d- depending on the location within this, is honestly so dependent on if it's in a periphery market or within the city. And uh, like Atchison is one of our, I guess, our sub markets directly west of Edmonton, and it's it's probably around one percent or one and a half percent vacancy. It's very low there, and everybody wants to be there. <laughs> it's lower taxes outside of the city. 
land is cheaper. The counties are very quick to get permits, to, uh, you know, to completion for, for user groups. And out there, owner users are paying more. They're paying probably 275 a foot, but that's because they want to be out there. And all of those buildings are kind of, you're very functional, like, 10 to 20,000 feet on two to three acres, you know, just really works well for a number of different user groups. Wow. Yeah. But within the city of Edmonton, you're probably, I don't know, for an older, like your kind of class B product, class C product, you're probably in like one, 150 per square foot. So to give you a comparison in Port Coquitlam, which is a community, I don't, I, I'm probably wrong in my numbers here, but I'm going to say it's probably 80,000 people, maybe a hundred thousand people. It's probably about an hour outside of Vancouver. Brand new industrial there is selling out at seven twenty-five a foot. Mm. Yeah. So it's just it's just you can see how the the attraction to the Alberta market for developers well, would in, be. In thinking of that, if if you had to kind of put a buyer profile out there for for people coming from BC and Ontario, I guess investing in in the Alberta market, like. Are there certain characteristics? Are these experienced investors? Are they are they people from the development community? Are they are there a lot of new to commercial investors? Can you talk a little bit about who's buying? Adam's asking for yeah. a friend, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> <laughs> he, this friend owns a Winnebago. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking for Corey's dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, we're seeing interest from a, a number of different groups. So we've always had interest from... Obviously, there's <laughs> Albertans love like local Albertans, local Edmontonians and Calgarians. They're they're always you know pro Alberta, so they're gonna <laughs> continue buying real estate here for their businesses. It's been a real real steep uptick in the last couple of years from groups that are coming from different provinces. Both owner users, like your average, like whether it's a distributor or or a manufacturing business, they're they're fed up to be honest. Like they're getting priced out of the market. And especially if they need to grow or some kind of movement like that, right? Um, a lot of I'm seeing a lot of brokers even in the states kind of saying and and in, in higher activity markets like Vancouver, telling tenants like, if you can just buy the real estate because then you're not going to be at the whim of the landlord in another five years who's going to jack the rents up again because how does the market slow down when there's no more availability and the demand is only increasing you know yeah. so i would say we're we're seeing actual occupiers tenants and owner and and i guess buyers people that want to buy their their own building for their business or tenants that same thing are just seeing better fundamentals as far as the lease rates, uh, the type of space that they can get, like they can get a brand new building for 10 bucks with the right ceiling heights and column spacing and, and grade and dock loading or whatever it is that they need. As opposed to Vancouver, you, you might have one option, you might have two options, but you're probably competing with four other groups for them. Right. And so you're yeah. kind of at the whim of your, <laughs> you get what you get and you don't get upset. So they come out to Vancouver or they come out to Edmonton. Uh, we're seeing, institutional developers and buyers we're also seeing just other like uh smaller not institutional but smaller buyers and developers coming into our market because everybody's kind of feeling the same thing across the country is like the cap rates the margins are getting so much smaller in these bigger cities and they need to place money so they're looking for opportunity zones if you will and alberta is checking a lot of the boxes not to mention that we're you know, we have a very skilled labor force here because we have been so, so involved with the energy markets for many years. You know, we've got a great trades program. We've got lots of, you know, educated, um, skilled labor 
And I, I think people, again, going back to the fact that you can buy a house here, like people will move to Alberta for that reason alone, that they can raise a family here with two kids and have a backyard as opposed to being jammed in a, you know, in a, an apartment in Toronto or, or Vancouver or something, or be three, hour, three hours outside of the city. They'll come out here and do that. And then they can get a great job. And, you know, employers are seeing that too. Wow. Well, Bronwyn, we, we thank you so much for taking your time today and coming out and joining us here. Tell us more about the Alberta market. But before we let you go, we got this small segment called the six pack, which is six lighthearted questions we get to ask you. So we get to know you a little bit outside of the office. Can we have <laughs> you hang out for just five more minutes? Sure. Of course. The six pack is powered by our good friends over at Red Point Law. Red Point Law, Corey, Tim, Falco, Scott, and the team. These are great people with a wealth of experience when it comes to commercial closings and private lending. And I just want to say, Corey, not to cut you off, they have a perfect five-star review on Google. So for all your commercial legal needs, visit them at redpointlaw.ca with offices in Vancouver and now open in downtown Kelowna. Okay, so we'll we'll do the Alberta the Alberta edition here. So we'll give you an easy oh, one to start. Favorite <laughs> restaurant or bar? Favorite restaurant or bar? Um, I love in Edmonton going to the Fairmonts, our our beautiful Fairmont Hotel on the River Valley. They have just an amazing patio area in the summertime that you can go sit out on. There's lots of people that you bump shoulders with there. Edmonton's a very small. A big, small town, if you will. Like, you kind of see a lot of people downtown when you go. So I, I really like the uh, the Fairmont uh, Mac Hotel and the patio section that they have there. Ah, oh, that's a great one. Yeah. What are you binge-watching lately or a favorite movie recommendation? <laughs> um, binge-watching right now, I've circled... I'm finishing or I'm get, just getting onto the second half of Ozark because I love that show. <laughs> favorite movie... Let me think. I love the Truman Show. Have you guys seen that? Wow! Yeah. Well, we haven't. That's, we haven't that's had a that throwback, one. right? We haven't that's had that a, one. Yeah, Truman Show is such a good movie. I mean, it's a classic Jim Carrey, and like makes you really think about you know makes you think. <laughs> yeah, those days when we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. What's a, what's a book everyone should read? Um, I finally just got around to reading Atomic Habits. I'm sure that's probably oh, I come love out it. before. Yeah, that one I really liked just because it was really, I mean, I'm we're always trying to set habits, you know, good habits and get rid of bad habits. I'm sure you guys are the same. <laughs> but that one I thought was really good because it was just like very simple. And you're like, oh, okay, that's not hard. I can do that. <laughs> that, that might be our most recommended book on the yeah, show. I, I think so. Yeah, it's, I think. A, it's a great it's a recommendation. Too, right? Like it's probably only out in the last couple of years. So that's probably why. <laughs> yeah, great recommendation. Favorite vacation spot when you find the time? Um, I love going down south, like to Mexico or Central America. I love, I don't know. I just love the food. I love the culture, the weather, humidity. I'm from this really dry, cold province. <laughs> and so if I can get out and go down south, I, I'm all over it. Awesome. Favorite band or type of music? Um, I'm pretty egalitarian when it comes to music. I would say it depends on the day of the week. But I've been listening to a lot of Dan Mangan lately, who is a Vancouver boy. Yeah, exactly. Vancouver boy. He's awesome. I've just cycled back (laughs) to, I don't know if you guys listen much to System of a Down. Oh, wow. They, like the main singer literally has the best voice. Like it's, it's crazy. So (laughs) anyway, 
that's a, that's a mix. The spectrum. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and Dan Mangan, Neil Mangan, real estate lawyer. Oh, well, I, I, in in Vancouver. Yeah, oh. I, I'm just bringing it full circle. Yeah, I've seen Dan Mangan a few times. He's literally he's so good. Like he sounds better live, which you know a lot of artists don't. But he's he's just so good. So we we got we got a last question here. We're going to make it a two parter. We're going to throw a bonus seventh question in here today. So oh. number six is. What's a piece of advice you'd give an investor looking to enter the Edmonton market? And the bonus question today is Calgary Flames or Edmonton Oilers? <laughs> um, a piece of advice I would give an investor if they are not from Edmonton, and this is me trying to be I, not greedy, is that I would reach out to as many, I, I guess, brokers or people that are have tabs on the market as I could. And try to get on their list of off-market properties, right? Because yeah. if you're coming into a market and you don't know the market, you everybody sees the stuff that hits the market. Half the time, the stuff that hits the market already has interest in it because the brokers already sent it to all their their you know obvious answers. So I just say make sure you're you know, which is kind of advice for anyone in the industry in general is just make sure you're kind of connecting with as many people as you can to make sure you have a tab on what's actually available. And of course, because brokers are making lots of cold calls every single day, the more brokers you talk to and having a real concise idea of what you're looking for, then I think you could probably get more, more, uh, I guess, potential opportunities. And then as far as the hockey question, um, I actually, this is, I'm, I'm an oil. I would say I'm an Oilers fan. I've been in Edmonton almost my whole life. The only part of my life I wasn't in Edmonton was when I was born in Calgary, though. <laughs> oh, ah. so my my relatives in Calgary would probably chastise me for saying that. But no, um, I, I'm actually happy to be honest. I'm happy if either of them go on. I'm like an Alberta fan. I love that's, it. <laughs> that's a politically that's a politically correct answer. Yeah, I'm a Alberta. salesperson. I have to be politically correct, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and Bronwyn, how can our guests find out more all about what? you're doing at Amata there and if they want to reach out to you how can they find out more about what you're doing yeah you can find me on LinkedIn under my name Bronwyn Scribbins I have a YouTube I've got Instagram I do a weekly video on the industrial real estate market in Edmonton I do a monthly blog so I'm like very active on on LinkedIn or social media so you can find me if you google my name you'll find me let's just say that (laughs) (laughs) that's that's fantastic well thanks so much for taking the time today yeah, no, appreciate it, guys. And and uh, hope, hope to meet you guys in person sometime. That sounds great. Thanks so much for your time, Bronwyn. Yeah, okay. Have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks. Our interview with Bronwyn Scrivens. Yes. I did it. Of Omatic Commercial, out of Edmonton, industrial specialist. Definitely opens your eyes when you want to talk numbers versus BC versus Alberta. I like that game that you were playing. The um, listen to how ridiculously expensive this yeah, is, and then how much is that? In, <laughs> how, is, how much is that in your market? That's a game we seldom play, but that's interesting to hear about just the uptake of activity, and also kind of starting pre-COVID. But I, you know, she did a fantastic job of of kind of getting us excited about about the region. Yeah, right? and like, and you know, it's a great opportunity too for a lot of people who are looking to enter the investment world, just because the price per foot on some of the stuff she was talking about wasn't terribly expensive versus what you can see over here. Also the vacancy rate. You know, yeah, we so always talk let's about talk that. about that because I know Vancouver's like below 1% when it comes to commercial. Yeah. How did you feel about those vacancy rates? To be rates? honest with you, it was a little bit less than what I anticipated when she said that it went from sort of seven down to five. I was expecting maybe it going from nine to seven. So, okay. 
as it's trending in the right direction down there, you mean that's always going to keep the occupancy rates very high for most landlords. A 5% vacancy rate is a very healthy market. A balanced market is probably 7 or 8%. So it's still trending in the right direction. And I think as the land constraints continue over here, you're going to find Alberta is going to be on many more investors lists, companies lists, and developers lists, purely based on price and land availability. Corey, what's the interest rate doing right now to the market, the commercial market in Vancouver, if anything? You know what? It's spotty. And when I say it's spotty, there's certain asset classes or maybe owner-occupied units that might have greater effect on it. From an investment standpoint, we're still seeing buildings go into multiple offers, selling unconditional, over asking price, mainly because the inventory levels haven't really come up from where they were. And that makes it very challenging because if you had 20 buyers in the middle of the heat of the market, now you got five. Five is still greater than one, still has a high demand there. And we're still very fortunate to be in that position. What it, would it take, do you think, to get to shake inventory loose in our market? Is that even a possibility? It's hard to say because, you I mean, we're land constraint. There's a lot of families that have owned a lot of assets for a long period of time. So when they're, they're selling, there's a big capital gains component that has to be considered. So you're finding a lot of people are refinancing buildings and then deploying that capital into other assets within their portfolio. So you I mean, it's hard to say. Right now, you I mean... The challenge is if I have a building that I paid a million bucks for that's now worth eight and I sell it, I have to go buy my same product back for eight million again. So maybe right. I, I don't want to do that. So maybe there's, you know, we had Al from Impact on the show talking about refinancing options. So you're finding a lot more of that is happening more so than coming to market because again, we just, we, we're land constraint. There's not a lot of it out there. You know, construction prices are soaring. So that's going to push prices up just across the board with new product coming out. So it's hard to say what would sort of shake inventory loose right now. Unfortunately, I don't have that answer. Yeah. And I it was it w- interesting. We just had on the sister show, Vancouver Real Estate Podcast, we just had MLA Canada on. And they were saying that a lot of projects right now are being stalled or people are pushing pause just because of construction costs. And yeah. then also just getting materials right now, just because of supply chain issues, right? So yeah. are you seeing that and are you hearing rumblings of that in the in the commercial space? Yeah, you know, it's going to it's gonna play havoc, I think, across both markets. If you acquired your land in the past couple of years, you paid a premium for it. Right. And construction costs obviously are going up dramatically. Interest rates, so the cost of that. One of the biggest challenges when you're a developer is the cost of acquiring the land and then holding the land before you can get a shovel in the ground. And as interest rates rise, that increases your holding costs. So you're getting hit there. You're also getting hit on the construction side and also the time delays because product is, is taking forever to get here. So I think it's going to happen. I think you're going to see that in some projects. We haven't experienced a lot of that yet in the commercial side of it, but not saying that we won't. But I think both sides of the equation for real estate period, you're going to see some projects getting put on pause. So I know you've had a lot of people reaching out just via email or just calling you to chat about commercial real estate. And we we have said this on the show a lot, but if somebody wants to get in touch and talk about commercial real estate, they can just call you directly, 100%, right? 100%. 100%. And I get I get some guests that take us up on that. And actually, I get a lot of emails on a weekly basis with people that just want to say hi, talk about their portfolio, ask about certain asset classes or what our thoughts are. So we're always around. So you can reach us anytime at a Vancouver office, 604-428-5255. You can visit our website, williamwright.ca for the latest and greatest news. Or you can send me an email, corey at williamwright.ca anytime. Excellent. Well, hey, thanks for taking the time today and uh, good to see you. We dress the same. We're going to be posting a photo yeah. on Instagram. Well, it's, it's funny. I came here today and I didn't realize it was dressed like your idol day. So <laughs> I, re- I really appreciate the outfit you wore. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Oh man, I look at it's like uh, It's like your big, more tired brother is, yeah, what, yeah. is what I'm posing as today, <laughs> even though I'm the smaller one. All right. 
Good. Let's have a good week. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Subscribe today.